Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast will include mature themes and scenes. This actual play uses the Delta Green role-playing game rules by Arc Dream Publishing. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., which may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Dunn, and for tonight's game, I will be your handler. You're all cordially invited to a night at the opera. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Waste Podcast. I'm your handler for the evening, Michael Diamond, and I welcome you back to the Old Ways Podcast presents Impossible Landscapes. I have been looking very much forward to these sort of ending episodes as we wrap this portion of our story up. But before we do, I'd like to get the opportunity to offer our Patreon at patreon.com slash the Old Ways Podcast. If you've been enjoying what we're doing with Delta Green, come out, show your support. And while you're at it, subscribe to us on YouTube at the Old Ways Podcast for all of our additional video content. And so now I'll introduce you to the players on the stage, as it were, to my right. Hi, this is Miranda playing Agent Dartford, a.k.a. Dr. Aaron Weber. And I just want to get this building destroyed so I can get home to my kid. Yeah, I'm sure the kid will be fine without you, right, Dr. Weber? Just fine. To Dr. Weber's right. Hello, I'm your friend Nate. I'm playing Elliot Winters, special agent for the U.S. Department of State. My colleagues know me as Special Agent Oscar Bennett, and David, an innocent, knows me as the agent of his demise. Yeah, pretty um, life-changing moment for you last episode. I will be very much interested to see how Agent Winters handles the next few hours. To his right. Hi, I'm Allie, and I play Joanne Hart, or as I'm known to my compatriots, Agent Ward, and I got real drunk because it's the only way that I had to cope at the time. Yeah, real drunk, um, just like your sister expected you to eventually fall to. More on that later, of course, and last but most certainly not least. Hi, my name is Tegan, and I'm playing Brett Hawking of the NCIS, and I got some douchebag O'Neill's name tag on me right now. And this young buck has survived this hunting season. So we're going to raise the curtain on this episode back at the hotel, the conjoined hotel that uh, the agents are using while they're investigating the disappearance of Abigail Wright. I think it's safe to say for our audience that the agents aren't so much concerned anymore about the disappearance of Miss Wright. I think that they've concluded, perhaps given some of the information we were allowed access to last episode, I think it's fairly clear that they know that the McAllister building itself is part of the problem. And so they began to work a a plot, a scheme perhaps, to extricate the people who live at that building to somewhere else so that way the agents can deal, potentially deal, with that old brownstone. So I will just simply roll the ball out there. We will consider it 
the next morning. And I'm going to say the next morning for a specific reason, because agents will have an opportunity as they rest to regain willpower points. If they are down those willpower points, they may want them back for what lay ahead. I'm going to ask, though, Agent Winters, tell me where you went after you finished up with David. I think after I'd gotten up, dusted myself off, wiped fingerprints off the bottle, I would have gone down to at least five or six blocks, found preferably a hotel lounge, hotel bar, hotel restaurant, someplace like that, someplace with a open public lobby, and I would have found a payphone and settled in, picked up the receiver, Put my calling card number in and I would have made a call to the Golden Moments Memory Care Facility. Hmm. Upstate New York. Yeah, not far. So that's helpful. At least it's the same time zone. Um, by the time you call, it's probably fairly late. Mm -hmm. But who are we calling for? Well, I'm going to see if Rita's working the desk. Because what I'd like to do is see if Carla, my mom, is having a having a decent night if she maybe is able to have a conversation um you get rita relatively cheerful woman in her late 40s never married uh, lives not terribly far from the center sort of is that hub for everyone who needs uh someone to talk to even if their the family member they have staying there can't seem to always put things together rita is the sort of person that access the connective tissue a lot of times. And then she picks up the phone and within just a, a few moments of hearing her voice, calls you by uh, your first name and uh, says that uh, she'd be happy to try to connect you with your mom. Oh, thank you, mom. I appreciate it. The line rings a few times, probably three or so. And you get to that point where you're starting to wonder whether or not she's going to pick the phone up. And there's the briefest of clicks from the receiver. You hear your mother's voice come to the line. And uh, she sounds tired just in that first few uh, initial moments. But you hear, uh, uh, yes? Hey, Carla, Carla. It's it's Elliot, your son. Mm. Elliot. Yeah, how, how you doing tonight? You, you remember me, Mom? Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Elliot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I live in New York City. I'm a, I'm a police. I'm a policeman. You remember, Mom? Sure, sure. Yeah, policeman. Elliot. Right. Yeah, yeah. I was just calling, check in on you. Had a little bit of a late night and was thinking of you. Hmm. Yes, New York City. I remember New York City. I went there years ago and I walked all so many buildings, so many tall, tall buildings. This is something you remember, uh, Elliot. Your mother has told a couple of stories about how she, as a you know, twenty-something-year-old, had an opportunity to go to New York City and to enjoy the sights and the sounds, and um, it was always a critical memory for her that she seems to go back to because she talks about walking through Central Park. She dovetails in this conversation to those sort of memories immediately and she says, uh, 
Central Park was always such a magical place. I remember the trees the most. I, I couldn't imagine a park so big. Oh, it's still, it's still pretty nice. It, it, it's beautiful right now. A lot of birds, a lot of, a lot of folk walking around. They like to feed them birds. I keep trying to find that one, uh, that one deli that you always told me about. Get one of them sandwiches. You you always went on. They, you tell me I have to, I have to get one of them sandwiches. Still looking for it, Mom. Mm, yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember. Was it cats? It had a funny spelling. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. You're doing great tonight. Yeah, cats with a K. I think it. I think it had a Z at the end of it. That's yes, yes, yes. You can hear her sort of get eager on the phone. Yes, cats. Cats. You know, I told my son Elliot about that once. Yeah, yeah. I bet he. I bet he enjoyed that, didn't he? Hmm. Yes. I bet he, he probably liked hearing from you and hearing your stories. Mm. Mm. You hear the line go a little quiet. And I think Elliot will, I mean, that happens fairly regular in the conversation, but it always takes a moment to recover from that and, and trying to trying to keep it going. So he, he takes a, a pause and he says, well, Mom, I, I know it's getting late for you. Um, and so I just want to check in and, and let you know that I'm out here and uh, city's uh, city's a little bit rough tonight, but uh, hopefully tomorrow it'll still still be beautiful like you remember it. Hmm. Yes. Can you hear that she gets a little monotone? I'm, I'm going to let you go. I, I got... I still got some work to do tonight. And I just wanted to hear your voice, at least least tonight um and hey um just just remember remember your son remember your baby boy won't you um i need you to i need you to remember him for a little bit longer if if you can bison elliot's a police officer yeah he is he is and he he tries to do the best he can but it's a hard job, you know. It's a hard job. It's not always clear what's right, what's wrong. I think he does his best, though, Mom. So I know he appreciates your sport. Mm. You have a good night. You too, Carla. You too. Get some rest. And I'll set the receiver on the handset. You hear the click. The uh, hotel lobby music picks up at the right time and offers you a, an old gold 70s jazz track sort of burbles out from one of the speakers I'm here I might as well have a drink and I'll order something I won't spend too long but I'll take 15-20 make sure that the bartender sees me I'll pay uh, with a card put my name on it do those things that sometimes make it seem like you've been there a little bit longer than you actually have a little bit of a record a little bit of a trail mm -hmm. no I could have been there officer I was drinking at the bar at this hotel exactly so after a little while Elliot you'll head back to the communal hotel 
with a full night's sleep, you'll have the ability to regain 1d6 willpower points. I'm going to roll those. Respect, just to make sure. All right, so Agent Dartford, you may regain three points of willpower. Thank you. Agent Ward, you may regain two points of willpower. Fantastic. And Agent Hawking, you may regain two points of willpower. So the next morning ticks around. We'll say we'll begin play at 7 a.m. So you're at the hotel and you supposedly have part of a plan, Agent O'Neill. Yeah, hey, O'Neill, I um, wanted to chat with you about that plan we cooked up last night. Yeah. Um, I'm a little concerned about collateral damage with an explosion of the size we were talking about. You think it wouldn't be contained to the building? Oh, um, I mean, if we're talking about an explosion, I mean, buildings are pretty tightly packed here. I would be pretty concerned about uh, anyone nearby uh, being harmed. Really, anyone on the street or nearby buildings even. Yeah, but the sliding scale we're looking at here is time. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. Where's the nearest fire department? Well, I mean, really, we need the building to be uninhabitable enough that they will tear it down. And we could possibly do that with a targeted accelerated fire that would be less of a risk of causing damage to people nearby. But we could target it in a way that the building will uh, be structurally unsound, regardless of when it's put out, really. And with an accelerant, I mean, we can kick up a pretty good fire pretty fast. Absolutely. And with uh, all those painting and oils and stuff down in the basement, I was hoping to just kind of pour that through the hallways. I think we got to think smarter, not harder with this with this fire thing. I know we kind of come up with this elaborate explosion plan previously, but uh, I think if we can get a good solid accelerated fire going targeted especially in the right areas but obviously throughout the building that that we can make it uninhabitable to the point that it will have to be demolished regardless no absolutely that's the plan but we're only going to get one chance at this if we start a little fire and alarms start going off neighbors start calling and the fire department show up and they save the building i don't know what we do next i don't think we can count on that fire department coming much more than five, six minutes, their response time is pretty decent. And so when the alarm goes up and people start calling, we got about five minutes. We can get enough of a fire going, I think. All three floors, same time, just prepare it without making it look to something that's too crazy. I'm sure we can find a way of falsifying, you know, or stopping an investigation into the reasons for the fire in there, especially with everything going on. Yeah, we need it to be plausible and we need it to be quick. Well, if we use the chemicals that are already on hand, uh, it's it'll be plausible and I think we can get a pretty solid burn going that they aren't going to be able to put out immediately. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, the old wood in this building and all those chemicals, yeah. Okay, that's fine. The only other downside is getting seen leaving a building like that 
within minutes of a fire starting. Well, we do have a plausible reason to be there. So that might provide some cover. I mean, we do have a job that we're supposed to be doing there. Exactly. But I agree with you, O'Neill. I would rather not have to deal with that. I mean, uh, it could just be one of us. It doesn't have to be all of us. We could wait till it's still a little darker out. I'm not waiting till it's dark. Well, we have to get everyone out anyway, so that's going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, it's going to it's going to take a little bit of time, but we've got a deadline and that deadline is sunset. I, I think we can do it covertly. Why don't we open up some of those containers of chemicals and really let that chemical smell waft around the building a little bit, too? That'll help us get our job done and getting those people out of there if they can smell specifically what they're up against. Look, we're supposed to be a bunch of FBI agents in there ripping shit off the wall that's epoxied on there. We have every right and reason to be bringing a ton of solvent in there to do that. Two, the people we're representing on these name tags don't fucking exist. So when they fuck up and put that accelerant or that that solvent in a place that allows it to catch on fire and is responsible for the destruction of that building and then we disappear it's not us disappearing it's these people on our name tags disappearing we have a reason to do it doesn't matter if they've got a physical description of one or two of us if it's generic enough it's attached to the wrong names and we disappear yeah so not a problem then yeah, but that's that's how we don't have to worry about bringing in. We just blame it on these alter egos. Or we don't blame it on anyone because no one shocks to us. Yeah. Is this the kind of stuff we can get at that ACO? Or are we going to have to go someplace special for the uh, for the accelerant? I, I don't think we're going to need to go anywhere special, Bennett. I think we can probably get what we need pretty easily. I mean, you can either buy it or you could pick it up from some sort of supply place and in here that services federal shit. Darford, Ward, I mean, we, we're, we're talking about taking down the whole building. It occurs to me that our our real concern is the night floors, and the night floors are access from just that third story. If we destroy the third story, does that achieve what we're trying to achieve? I think it has to be uninhabitable. Like the building has to eventually come down. the The question would the question would be if they rebuild that third floor, do the ninth floor still exist there? We don't know, and we can't assure that they won't reappear. Because if that's the case, we could just take take that door off and put a different door on, or brick up that door. You go down that path. If we're thinking about well, it has to call. If they put a new building up on that site, which they will, because it's New York City, you, you, are you thinking that, oh, once that building hits the third floor, now all of a sudden it's going to have access to the night floor? Like, there has to, either there has to be something else. What's the solution to that? The solution to that is after this place gets burned down, we tell the powers that be that sent us out here to buy the shitty fucking lot and plant a fucking garden or something. All right, it just seems like we, we jumped real quick to we need to shut this down to we need to take the entire building down in its entirety. And all right, all right, all right. 
You, you, you're all the experts on this pit. Uh, no, I don't think any of us know what the fuck we're doing here. I mean, here's here's the deal. Here's the deal. We're going to need help, no matter what. All right, we need to engage with Marcus. Because here's the deal. If we do burn this place down, then we we're, we are going to need to fudge, get him to have to use some somebody somewhere to fudge some fire forensics records. Like, something's going to have to get fudged in some paperwork somewhere. I mean, yeah, we can hope that happens. No hope that happens. Let's... I don't know. Neil, I mean, let's let's look at this. If the folks that we work for had all this kind of power, they probably wouldn't have sent us over there to do this job. They would have just bought this building straight out. They didn't need us to go over and scrape walls. Well, that's not what they knew what was going to happen when they sent us out here. When they sent us out here, it was a bunch of shit you know, bubblegum to a fucking wall. And they were like, hey, we think we see a demon symbol. Can you like take a look and see if the demon symbol is a real thing? Sure, sure, sure. We can't expect them to clean up the mess later in some magical way. I don't think, I don't think they're in a position to do that. Ward, you wouldn't happen to be sort of demolitions or arson expert, would you? Maybe have some experience with all this no pretty sure that burning down the building or blowing it up is gonna cause a lot of problems for us if people see us too our our official position is to just not give a fuck about that yeah also we've moved past blowing it up to burning it down Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Have we moved past blowing it up? Honestly, we haven't. Because here's what I think I'm hearing, is that blowing it up is the better idea. The slow burn is the worst burn. Blowing it up is going to attract a lot of attention and also be the most difficult. Why not just a gas leak? What's What happened to a simple gas leak? I saw that on HBO. All right. Here's what I'm worried about. It's it's the people in there. And it's it's getting them out, but also it's controlling them long enough for this this business to happen. If we are talking about something random like a gas leak or there's chemicals or whatever, there's way too many opportunities for them to solve their own problem. Maybe we each take a floor and we knock on doors directly and we tell them they need to get out quickly and quietly because just like nine years ago, there is a bomb threat in this place and we need to move you out immediately and we cannot make a bunch of noise and get people out that way and then burn this place down. Maybe maybe that controlling those folks a little bit more and more directly is the way to go. And then we can each take one of these floors and... Well, I mean, they're not gonna call the gas company if the gas company's already there. You get yourself a pair of N95 masks and you put them on and you get yourself some painter suits and it looks like a like a like a hazmat suit and you just be like, oh look, the, the gas company's already here. You gotta get out. They're already here to 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 figure out that the whole pipes are rotted all up and down. You gotta get out. They're saying so. I've got a badge. That there's official people here. It smells like farts in the whole building because the sulfur is everywhere. You gotta get out. So I know that we're, or you at least, Bennett, are worried about the people. But how do we know that these people aren't also technically compromised by what's going on upstairs? 
And what if they are? What are you gonna do? You're gonna walk up and open every single door in this place and put a bullet in somebody's head? No, I'm just saying that if we're going for the building burning down, a few accidental deaths can happen. Holy shit. Holy shit. A few accidental deaths. What the fuck? Where? What the fuck? How long have you? Where did you come from? Where do they make people like you? I'm not going to answer most of those questions. All right. We are all overthinking this. All right. The people get out. They get out one way or another. We use all whatever skills we need to do to convince them that that's what they need to do. We have cars ready for them to go automatically. Go get down there, rent a van, shove them all in it with each with one suitcase. Get them the fuck out. Put a matchstick on a fucking alarm clock. I, I don't know how this shit works, but you got to blow this fucking up and you got to do it quick. In and out and simple. It's when you have complicated plans that stuff starts falling apart. That just lends more credence to my, if we make a big scene about getting everybody out, but. What's the opposite of a big scene of getting everybody out? We chloroform each and every one of them, wrap them up in their own rugs and throw them in the back of a pickup truck. That's the opposite of creating a big scene. Which one do you want? Where on the sliding scale? Well, I think if we're looking for minimal casualties, the second option is more likely to be successful, especially if we do it at night. I know that we want to blow the building as soon as possible, but if you're looking at something logistically, then you have to be able to remove either one of two complicated things. You either have to remove the people or you have to remove convenience. Okay, so we have two choices. We have two fucking choices. How big or sneaky to go with destruction and how big or sneaky to go with the movement of the people. So we all just got to like we got to just get on the same page as far as that. I feel like I can talk anybody into getting out of that building. Do we need a backup plan? Oh yeah, for sure. I'm down. Okay, so they don't want to go. What do we do? All right, you, you could we could escort them out with gunpoint. We could chemically douse them in something and make them fucking drugged and then move them the fuck out. So there you go. We have redundancies in that system. So we're gonna try to talk them out first, and if that doesn't work for each individual, then we'll we'll, we'll chloroform them. Where do you even buy chloroform, Dartford? Where do you buy chloroform? Can you get that? Can you get that at, at Walgreens? No, but I, I could maybe whip some up. I think we all need to get on the same page here about what happens when uh, when we, we hit that door and it's a homebound person weighing 300 pounds in the bed. What happens when we get to the wheelchair person who presumably can't get through and out as fast enough? Are we going to leave them behind? Are we willing to cook these people to death in our plan. Jesus. Jesus. No, I need you to think through this, O'Neill, because you got a lot of this is just going to work. Uh, we've been, I think you have, but I know I have gone door to door plenty of times and the state of these folks, plus we all met some of these fucking people at the McAllister building. They were out of their goddamn minds. And we're going to get up there and they're going to, 
They're going to be fine. That's like, just like Ward said, we're going to get someone and they're going to be too busy with their fucking record collection to give a damn about any of all this. What are we going to do? Are we going to knock them the fuck out with our guns? Are we going to shoot them? We're just going to lock the door behind them. Ward, do we actually have acceptable casualties of these civilians that we are willing to deal with? Or are we going to try and get them all out? I don't think that realistically there is a safe or easy way to get everybody out. There will be people who resist because that's just the nature of people. If they are in the recluse state of their lives where they are happy living with the way that they are, even if it's not necessarily healthy for them, uh, some kind of force will either be required or we leave them be. My concern is that like when you talked to Marcus last night and you were going after uh, David, right? That's who we brought out with us from the night floors. What happens if Marcus finds out that we brought a bunch of people out of this building? That's my concern. Like just because they aren't directly in whatever fucking nightmare that that place was doesn't mean that they haven't had potentially some kind of side effects. So how much trouble or disappearing happens to us if we don't potentially eliminate all of the problems? I just want to point that out. Okay, then I have a shitty plan. Okay, I have plan F for fucked up. We wait till night and we put them all in the night floors and then we blow the fucking building up. That seems like a simple solution. Does it? That's something that you, Ward, are willing to just do. You're willing to just forcibly march a bunch of people onto the dark, on the, to the night floors. At that point, you might as well just fucking shoot them. Ah, but then they find bodies. Yeah, there won't be any bodies if they're on the night floors. And you know, it's not like shooting them. Dennis, David, whatever the fuck his name was, lived up there for months. Look, I'd rather shove them into the night floors than put a bullet in their fucking brain. Y'all gonna tell yourself that that's different, but it's the same. And if you are worried about, if you want to reclassify all these civilians as contaminated artifacts that need to be destroyed, we best destroy them directly. You ain't gonna save any sleep in the future by telling yourself, oh, we didn't kill him, we just put him in the night floors. And that's gonna be much, much harder. How are you gonna get them up there? You're gonna carry every single occupant of McAllister up them stairs? I sure as hell ain't. I can't hardly get up the stairs just by myself. Night floors as a last resort. Okay, first off, we get the hotel spaces. We offer them to move. One Individual one won't move. Then we make a decision what we'd want to do. Try the easy way first. We have a number of hard options as a plan B, C, and D. We go one individual at a time. We're not splitting up. I'm taking Dartford and you can, Bennett and Ward, you can take the difficult ones and we'll do, we'll do two at a, we'll do two each. I like your optimism, Buck, because <laughs> we're not going to know which ones are the difficult ones. So good luck with that. Paris is probably safer anyway, after what we experienced upstairs. So if any of them are 
artifacts, for lack of a better term, that's probably safer. That does mean they can be pushed in there at night. That means we're trying to destroy the building and we're in the building at night. Yeah. So we just go in there and we hope to God that they all choose the easy way. I mean, we could go in in the late afternoon before it gets completely dark and start at that point. Why give ourselves less time? We can go right now. It's like, what, 9 a.m.? Probably 8. Nobody's eating breakfast yet. I say we hit up a Denny's, and then, and then you know, after we do a Grand Slam, we go, you know... Man, I'm just, I'm just going all the way back to there's only four fucking people. We just get some tasers, and we just fucking knock them all out. Handler, as a federal agent, can I get access to a taser? Oh, certainly. You could likely requisition them fairly easy from the New York office. Um, it wouldn't be untraceable, obviously, because to get a hold of something like that, you would likely need a requisition form. Although, what's your bureaucracy? 60. So I would say with a 60 bureaucracy, you could likely get a hold of one, probably even from a inventory person who might just let it slide. But if you're talking about getting a hold of four tasers, that's likely going to be some paperwork. I would like to try and get two. Okay. And see if I can requisition quietly, not non-requisition, acquire. Sure. Is this is this before or after the Denny's Grand Slam? This is probably during the Denny's Grand Slam. Okay. Also, uh, Bennett is a eggs over my hammy enthusiast, so that will be... That will be Benny, Benny's uh, breakfast. Okay. So we'll we'll play a little bit here with the timeline. We'll say that people get breakfast. Agent Winters, you're able to, through your local contacts, acquire two tasers. Your um, contact in the office, Mark, basically says it's not a big deal. If he figures it's one for your personal and one for the vehicle in case you need a backup. He doesn't even ask questions especially given your chosen profession and the division you work with. Very common for them to have uh, non-lethal. So as, as plan B, if anyone's not buying the gas leak and get the hell out, we tase them. We drag their unconscious body out the door into the U-Haul rented van that we're going to acquire. Is that is that it? There's, there's only four of them. They'll all fit in one van. Okay. But if they go properly, it's we have a hotel room for you. We buy them a taxi. They bring a bag and they get the fuck out. Well, even better. We'll take them all to the hotel room, tased or not. And when they wake up, oh my goodness, you fell unconscious from the gas leak. It was very dangerous. Well, it's okay. I'm going to think about trying to haul people into a hotel room unconscious from a van. That's a problem for the following six hours. It's all, it's all in line with the story. It's a very, very dangerous gas leak. And these folks need to recover. Black mold, gas leaks, all kinds of hazards living in the city. That's true. All right. So the team is going to acquire a van rental. They're going to make sure that they have places to put folks in uh, hotel rooms for a couple of days to build up the background on their gas leak story. 
And then their plan is then to, at some point, head to, what, a hardware store to get some things? Or are they going to circumvent that and go directly to the McAllister and then work on the gas leak situation? It sounded like we were going to do a old, good old-fashioned gas leak, gas explosion. All right. Very well. Can I get some masks so that I can kind of try to breathe if there's a lot of gas in the building? You're able to obtain at a hardware store some N95 masks used for painting and, and the like. So we'll put you back at the McAllister about noon. Just driving up to the Brownstone is a little difficult. It looks like every other building on the block. But each one of you know that it's, it's very much not like every other building on the block. And it sort of makes you a little paranoid about the other buildings on the block and what they might have hiding in them. That thought is really hard to get away from. Because there is something unnatural going on. Something which you aim to fix. The van is ready outside the McAllister. My question to you is how will the agents approach which floors and are there any specific residents that each agent is going after? Bennett, you want to start at the top or the bottom? Oh, it makes sense to from to me to start at the top. If I'm I'm trying to read this uh, these these doorbells again. So Wright was in one A, Manuel was in two B, Karun was in three B, Post was in four A, and Van Fitz was in six B. Now. I don't, w- w- what is the third floor with all these doorbells in? There's no C, but there was that old lady that poked her head out when we were on the third floor. I can't make hot or hair of the system. Yeah, it is a little bit different. It looks like there are um, different amounts of apartments per floor, so it's not consistent. Ward, did, can you, what indicates which floor these folks are on? I mean, 1A, right, Abigail, right, all right. So is it the first floor or is it the A? that's telling me the first floor because nothing here it's not the number like in a hotel because there ain't no sixth floor that Van Fitz lives on frustrated already I just go up to the top and just start knocking on all the doors okay so you're all going upstairs no I can start at the bottom with Dartford I would gladly follow O'Neill let's go fuck around with, with Thomas Okay, so so Dartford and O'Neill head to Thomas's apartment, right? It is the one all the way at the back at the first floor, one that O'Neill has been to. And then Ward and Bennett head upstairs to the third floor to speak with uh, a woman they saw, the only woman that's listed that high up. We'll start with our top floor agents, Ward and Bennett. Uh, so you arrive outside outside an apartment building door that you've seen before. From what you know on the letterhead outside or on the post box, it said something to the effect of Van Fitz is the woman's name. Ward, you, you probably use one of these and I hand her the one of the tasers. Yeah, I've used one of these and I will. So I'll put the taser around a belt loop and I'll knock on the door. You knock on the door. A few moments pass and a uh, relatively pale, redheaded woman answers the door. 
She doesn't really look as old as you remember. She looks younger. And she looks out. Can I help you? I'm sorry to bother you. Uh, Ma'am, we have a dangerous situation in the building. You might smell it already, but we have a gas leak. And we are evacuating everyone. And we we need you to come with us immediately. Time is of the essence. We are trying to prevent a tragedy here. Gas leak? Oh, yeah. If you can uh, maybe gather up a couple uh, things that you, you might want, but time is, uh, like I said, time is, uh, we're trying to get everyone out here before there's a catastrophe. She nods a little bit. She seems to pick up with what you're, the story that you're giving her. Um, she turns around and you see in her apartment that she leaves the door open a little bit and she starts grabbing a couple of things. You see that the back end of her apartment is filled with books. In fact, there are books all over the place. All sizes, all shapes. This woman appears to be a prolific reader. She comes back with like a purse and uh, a couple of things and uh, a cat in her arms. And Handler, I would like to have just knocked on the other doors in the hallway. Ma'am, we understand that you're the only one up here, but I'm just making sure. Um, You don't know if there's anyone else up here, do you? No, no, no. There's no one else up there. Who, who did you say you were with? She just like puts the cat into the carry-on bag that she has in her hands. Since we were already working downstairs in the right apartment, we were notified by the gas company that there was some kind of leak and that there was a severe danger. So they asked us to go ahead and try to evacuate everyone in the building. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. But who are you with? Oh, I'll pull out my badge. Show her that I'm FBI. You pull out your badge, you flash the FBI badge, and you watch as her face, like, turns into a glower. Really? The FBI is doing gas leak stuff now? It was out of convenience. And we were on site, and we are here. So we are pulled into action. You know what's gone on in this country last uh, decade or so. We are trying to move quickly here, and Con Ed is sending their folks in right now. Move quickly, yeah. Decade or so. The last decade or so, yeah. How about the last, like, I don't know, a couple couple hundred years? She begins to get sort of physically aggressive. And she starts grabbing things around the little foyer. Both of you can make me an alertness roll. That's a 35 of 50. Mm-hmm. That is a 39 under 40. Uh, so the 35, Agent Bennett, you notice that she grabs mace. And more specifically, I'll give you this, given your training likely with um, non-lethal. When she puts it in her purse, she unclips the safety on it so that she could actually depress it and use it if she if she needs to. I've heard a lot of things in my day. You can hear her sort of grumble as she makes her final pass. I've never heard of the FBI responding to a gas leak. For you, Agent Ward, inside her little space there, the little area, the little foyer of of her apartment, on the pedestal you notice a red, a small red book with a beautiful golden filigree all over it. It looks like a book probably 60, 70 years old just by its... Um, and you see two 
sort of images one on top of one another of this book. And the book's title is A World Without Doors. And there is a castle inverted on the top of it. And then below that castle, there is this beautiful cityscape scene. She finishes up and walks back towards the, the door. All right, I'm ready. We have a hotel room already paid for, waiting for you, so that way we can get this under control. She gives you this sort of sour response visually. Her mouth turns into a strange shape. It's the least you can do. You're taking me out of my fucking apartment. And she pushes past the both of you and walks down the hall. Ridiculous. Bennett, do you want to escort her downstairs? Sure thing. Come on, ma'am. I know this is this is not what anyone wants on a, a beautiful... She looks at you and she said, did, did you just call me ma'am? Yes, ma'am. How, how do I look to you? I'll call everyone ma'am. Ma'am, that's this just how I was raised. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem with being raised in a society that bends the, the knee constantly, whatever the male need is. Well, maybe you can uh, fill me in on all that while we get you to this van. Um, I just do not want to see you burnt to a crisp. So, in that regard, Agent Bennett, she absolutely positively does. She reads you a very long diatribe about sort of the, the actual evils of society and how essentially everything in life that you've interacted with, she is forced to interact with, is set up for the edification, the pleasure of men. And that she's frankly tired of it. And she's written a bunch of books about it and people like you would do well to re-educate yourself and to approach life with maybe not thinking that everything is just so perfectly laid out for you. But she goes. Thank you, ma'am. You, you give me a lot to, lot to think about. I do appreciate uh, this endless conversation down these three flights of stairs. Uh, why don't you get in this van? Here, uh, watch your head. Slam. Are you actually going to bang your head? No, 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 I'm gonna... No, heck no. Making sure. Okay, so uh, just to wrap this part of the scene up, Agent Ward, what are you doing? Are you left to your own devices on the third floor? Well, I'm snatching the book. Of course. What else would you like to do? I know that technically Bennett knocked on all of the other doors that are up here, but I actually want to try the handles specifically looking for squatters because there is the potential that there are way more people in this building than we're actually fully aware of. Yeah, the third floor is completely clear of anybody else. All the doors are firmly locked and shut. Minus, of course, the door that leads to the roof. I'm going to take a long glance at that door, but I'm going to go down to the second floor. Okay. I'll get back to you in a second. Uh, So, Agent O'Neill and Agent Dartford, you walk down the hall to... uh, pay a visit to your old friend, Agent O'Neill, and that would be Thomas Manuel, who lives on the first floor. The uh, man who supposedly was bugging Abigail Wright's apartment with a microphone. You knock on the door, and he opens it after a few minutes and says, uh, Oh, hey. You're back. Yeah. Hey, um, I just wanted to apologize for uh, all of uh, the bullshit earlier. You know, we're just trying to follow up leads. But hey, 
something has come up and I got good news and I have got bad news. Okay, what's up? Okay, so the bad news is in all of this, after removing a bunch of the stuff in that apartment, we have come across a fairly serious gas leak in there. And we are currently trying to just get you and the other three residents of this building uh, into accommodations, which that's the good news. You have accommodations in town. They are completely 100% paid for. The bad news is I've got about uh, an hour to get you out of here before I've got other people in other kinds of suits on site to try their best to either contain this gas leak or safely handle the situation. So I've got to get you out of this building very quickly, Thomas. So if you want to be a pal, you want to be a good guy here, you want to be the hero today, I'm going to need you to pack up some bags and I'm going to need you to, to, to come out here. Uh, I got a taxi lined up for you and I've got uh, some petty cash and a hotel room to get you into while we solve the situation. How's that sound? Oh, shit. It sounds fucking terrible, but... If there's a leak in the gas, that's that's not good either. It could, this place could go up at any minute. You're absolutely right. Uh, we tried shutting off the emergency valve, and it is just not shutting off. Luckily, all the authorities have been notified. Uh, they're working on it as soon as they can. So, you know, it's just a very old neighborhood. We are trying to solve it. But, yeah, uh, why don't you go ahead and grab yourself some stuff you need for a couple of nights, and let's get it in a duffel bag, and let's get you out of here. He complies fairly easily. He takes a adidas gym bag out and he stuffs some clothes into it and a couple of things that he needs he takes a couple of cassette tapes and a tape player and then zips it up and heads outside dartford lets out the breath that she's been holding because she was concerned that she would have to witness someone being tased or tase that person themselves. And this went off very smoothly. So Dartford is relieved. The fear, the, the, the fleeing response. I see that face, that look on Dartford. I said, don't worry about this. You've got the next one. That's that, uh, that creep, creepy dude at the end of the hall, right? You got this? Look at how easy this is. Not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, thank you, O'Neill, for your vote of confidence. Anytime. Anytime. Okay, so not far from Thomas Manuel's door, you would step down to Roger Carran's door. Am I right that um, Agent Dartford is going to be leading this portion of the egress? Yep. Okay. I got your back. I got your back. And I'm just packing my lip with dip, like with skull right here. I got your back. Okay, you knock on his door. After a couple of moments, you see a sort of an unassuming man in his house coat. He's got a pair of wire rim glasses on. He looks a, a little disheveled. <clears throat> he clears his throat. Uh, can, can I can I help you? Yes, sir. I'm sorry to bother you, but this is of the utmost importance. There's a gas leak in the building, and uh, we're asking all tenants to evacuate for a brief, brief period of time while we get it all straightened out. Dartford, you get hit with the smell of something unfortunate and familiar. You smell stale sweat in the air and like old food. And while you're standing there going through the motions with, with Roger, you have a flashback to that house in San Antonio 
that same sort of sweat musk is in the air. The kitchen is filled with plates from days and weeks ago. And it comes over you in like a wave. O'Neill, you watch Dartford lock up for a good three seconds. Yeah, so what she's trying to say is we've got some petty cash here for you as well as a hotel room and uh, and a car out front. And I'm just checking on Dartford while I'm saying this. Yeah, she snaps out of it as you finish up the sentence. How far did you open the door? Can I see anything inside? Does it look weird? Dartford's having this flashback. She's kind of curious about what's going on. It does look weird. It looks a little strange. And because of the way that sun is positioned, high sun today, you get that same sort of amber coloring in the room because of the the paint color choice. And you feel the first sort of trickle of sweat on your face as you start remembering, you start having visions of somebody shoving nuclear material into their mouth and like trying to eat it. And you get, you just get creeped out. You get overcome with a feeling like it's happening again. It's happening again. There's a breach. Yeah. Dartford might even like slowly start to back up until her back is against the opposite hallway wall. You back up directly into O'Neill, who's totally not going to let you back down. Yeah. Hey, uh, what, what was your name again, uh, sir? Roger. We're starting to get the fumes in here. I think uh, I think my partner here is is starting is having a, some issues with it. So yeah, are you going to be? Uh, is that going to be satisfactory to you? He looks at you and goes, "It does smell a little funny in here, doesn't it?" I think this would really freak Weber out enough that this is a threat that needs to be neutralized and that she would try to grab for the taser and tase this guy. Uh, it's clipped to the back of my belt above the small of my back. So I guess my question is, is Agent O'Neill stopping her from doing that? If Dartford like turns around to face me while I'm having this conversation with Roger, you said, reaches behind my back, like around my waist. I'm like, oh, uh, this is a weird time to come on to me. And then like grabs the fucking taser, spins around quickly, and then like shocks this dude in the nuts. I don't think I'm going to react immediately. I mean, I go for center mass, not the nuts. I'm totally happy to let this happen. So Agent Darford, this taser is going to be a melee weapon. Okay. Because you're not using the firing portion, you're just using a standard taser. So if you would roll your melee weapon, I will give you a bonus to this roll because Roger has no fucking clue that you're going to try to tase him. Is it just a bonus die, not a percentage modifier? Um, It's actually a percentage modifier. So you're going to add plus 20 to your roll. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So you turn around and you hear the static shock sound of the taser go off and Roger backs up, hits the deck. You hear bottles and plates and all sorts of stuff just go make a complete clatter. And he's like, whoa, 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 what the fuck? And he tries to scramble to his feet. Oh, Neil, you got to do something. There's something wrong with this guy. Yeah, yeah. 
and I'll go ahead and put the dude up against a wall. Is he tased? Is he conscious? She don't, you don't think she got him? You're not sure. Sir, put your hands behind your back. I'm going to try to, like, flip him onto his stomach against the wall. Like, put him in an arm bar. Can I do that? Certainly. I'm just going to trust that Dartford saw something crazy. Yep. That's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to trust that she saw something crazy. He doesn't really have it in him to put up much of a fight. Once you put him up against the wall and you have a hold of one of his arms, you have all the leverage you need if you're going to apply handcuffs or something like that. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Okay. He stops resisting pretty quick. He's not very strong. He's not very... doesn't have a whole lot as far as the physical attributes go to, to support him in this regard. So you get him handcuffed and he's against the wall. Now my question is, what are the two of you doing with him? Oh, can I still tase him? Oh yeah, certainly. Because I feel like Dartford hasn't been adequately de-escalated yet and Dartford would probably still tase him. Okay, uh, so a taser is going to do stun damage. So here's what I'll say. Um, it seems to be in a category which is roughly 1d4, 1d6. I will give you a d6 damage. It's stun damage. And so if you meet half of Roger's HP or above, then you could potentially stun him. You said d6 damage? I did. I rolled a three. He lets out a scream. You stun him. Falls over. He's still wriggling around Agent Darford. I mean, I would probably go for him again, honestly. You probably would. So roll another d6. That's five. Um, Okay, so this time you reach down and you grab Roger by the hair. So that way he'll stop moving around. You place the, the taser directly at the back of his neck. And when you do, there is a single surging jolt that goes through his body. And he lays completely still afterwards. Does not move. Fuck, that was close, O'Neal. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? Wow. Okay, what happened? Why did this happen? I've seen I've seen something like this before, O'Neal. There's something fucking wrong with this guy. There's something wrong with him in his apartment. This place is fucked. You, oh, man. Is he out? Like, is he down? Is he okay, though? I'm going to check his pulse. I don't know. It's there. It's just faint. Oh, okay, cool. I'm going to roll him on his back so he can, like, breathe. Okay, let's let's make sure he's fully in the apartment. Let's uh, shut the door. Shut the door. In it, well, We're going to be in the apartment. Okay. You're in the apartment. Do I want to be? I don't want to be in this apartment, though. O'Neal, no, I don't want to fucking, I don't want to go in there. Tell me what's go- going, well, we can't leave him in the hallway, okay? So, like, if somebody else comes down from the other place, we got to get him in here, okay? You said there's something going on. Let's let's take a look around. Dartford's eyes are darting all over the place in here. Dartford does not want to be in here at all. It's It's messy, it's dirty, it reminds you immediately of San Antonio. Nothing is well kept. The dishes there have not been done in like two weeks. And there are an awful lot of like expensive liquor bottles around that are somewhat half full. There's a word processor in the corner. I've seen something like this before, O'Neill. There was a guy that I was was trying to find some lost nuclear um, material and he was eating it. He was eating radioactive material and 
I, I've seen this before. This guy's this guy's wrong. This is wrong. We could burn him with the building. So Darford's freaking the fuck out. Yes. Okay, Darford, stay in the hall and try to get your catch your breath. All right. I'm gonna pull Roger into his apartment, and I'm gonna go into his apartment with him because I I'm gonna look around. Okay, you're gonna look around Roger's apartment. I am. Darford says there's something freaky going on. I'm gonna take a look around. Uh, anything on the counters? Uh, what is he typing on the word processor? Uh, what's he got on the shelves? That kind of shit. So, the big thing, the big sort of red flag you immediately hit when you go searching around his apartment is there's an awful lot of food here that it's expired. Like a lot. After a 30 second sort of visual check of the boxes that are here, the stuff in his kitchen, you realize that nothing, nothing isn't expired. It's all old food. The sheer amount of alcohol bottles are, you know, they're probably in the 20 or 30 and they're not cheap either. This is high end shit. That's been half drunk. Wait, high end stuff like what? Top shelf alcohol. You don't not see you're not seeing bottles here that are used like in the bar on the night floors that you're not you're not seeing that you're seeing like, you know, McCallan 15 and a similar bottles. Right? There's a Belvini 12 year that's here. There's a couple fairly nice bottles of wine. Okay, I was thinking that this was like he'd been on the night floors and he was taking booze out of like the smoking lounge or some shit. Mm, doesn't look like it. Do I see anything that is would be an indicator for why Dartford went off? Nope. This guy's a slob. He's a total fucking mess. But um, unless she has a thing against hoarders and that would have really played out in Abigail's apartment. But uh, you're not sure what's up feels like PTSD. Shit. Okay. Okay. We have a plan for this. That's fine. This dude's going in the, uh, in the van, right? Okay, cool. I'm going to crack the door open. Is Dartford still out there? That's a good question. Yeah. Dartford would uh, still be out there. All right. We got to, I got to get this dude in the van. Okay. So we got to like, we got to like perp walk him into the van. You want to grab one of his shoulders, one of his arms? You want to... We're just going to perp walk him out. Like stand him up? Yeah, we're gonna, he's under arrest, and, and he, he was resisting, and he doesn't feel good. We're going to we're gonna put him in, in the paddy wagon. We got to do this, because I, I don't want to leave him in here. What if he wakes up and starts causing noise? I don't want to be walking him out when somebody's coming down a stairwell. We got to get him in the van. And then, congratulations! One of us needs to stay in the van. This is, you, we won a prize. But you know what? We only had two people. So maybe we both stand. So you're going to perp walk him out? I'll follow O'Neill's lead, yeah. So you perp walk him out, and it's about this time, give or take, I would say, that Age Bennett, you are um, having just returned to the McAllister building from getting... Um, her into the vehicle and you're 
coming back onto the first floor and getting ready to hit the stairs because you know you got somebody up on two that you gotta you gotta look at. And um, Agent Dartford and Agent O'Neill are um, walking a mostly unconscious man out from one of the apartments on the first floor, and that man is handcuffed. Okay, okay, Miss um, Van Fitz off the third floor is in the van already. So remember, uh, gas leak and all that. She's in the van? Like, she get in a taxi? Did she resist? Nope. She's down here just fine, and uh, you should ask her all her opinions on uh, how the world should be. It'd be a good time for you. Okay, so fucking Dartford... Dartford tased this dude. Like, what do we what do we do with him? Like, I thought we were putting the dumb fucks in the van and the, the good people were going to go in the in the taxis. I sent Thomas in a taxi. Oh, just put them all together. I thought we were putting them all in the van. I got to get up on the second floor, get that last person. You already got Thomas in? One, two, three. We only got one more. Well, Thomas left in a fucking taxi. I called him a taxi. Oh, that was very nice of you. Or he appreciated it. I didn't, I didn't think, shit. Okay, well, we can, uh, fuck. Can we put Roger in, in Wright's apartment? No, we got to get people out. So you're going to put the conscious lady and the unconscious dude in the same van. Yeah, sure. There's a gas leak. It's very dangerous. You know, I got to get in here. Ward is all up to some who knows what business. You know how she is when she's alone. And the two of you could figure this out. And I'm going to walk back in. So you head up to two, Agent Bennett. You knock on the apartment door of Lewis Post. Post opens up the door. He's a fairly decent looking young man. You know he's uh, from the last time that you spoke to him. He's uh, an illustrator, another artist. Mr. Post, uh, me and my colleague, uh, Miss Ward, uh, we got some important news for you. And, uh, Agent uh, Bennett, you remember FBI? I show him the badge. I'm here on uh, behalf of Con Ed, and we are telling all the residents uh, we, we got to get out of the building. We got a gas leak. It's a very dangerous situation. Uh, we are moving quickly to prevent a catastrophe in, in this building. We have secured lodge temporary lodgings while Con Ed gets down here and takes care of this. Uh, but sir, um, have you are you feeling okay? Have you, you have any headaches? Are you lightheaded at all? We already have some folks that have been overcome with the fumes, and I want to make sure you're you're healthy before we move, take another step. He sort of scratches his head and uh, looks out a little bit from his apartment. I thought I heard something this morning. Maybe it was a, maybe there was a gas leak. But yeah, if they're saying we've got to be out of the building, we've got to be out of the building. I just, I just got to get uh, a couple of things, okay? Sir, yeah, please uh, pack uh, what is absolutely essential for you. Like you said, we're, we're, we're moving as quickly as possible to make sure that there's no uh, no problem with it. anyone here. We want to make sure everyone's safe and uh, has you know, survives the situation with all limbs intact, sir. Okay, okay. He uh, steps back from the door and sort of just lets it hang, and you can get a look at the main space of the apartment, which is, unfortunately for you, Agent Bennett, is littered with pizza boxes and takeout from all sorts of different places. If there is a sort of college-esque crash pad, this is likely it. You can even imagine Abigail up here at night, hanging out with Post, windows open, enjoying a slice. He comes back, 
just a couple of minutes later with a, a wide leather case. It's, it's real big. It's probably three by four. It's relatively thin, but he's got that and a backpack. Oh, good. So you got your uh, portfolio there. Is that, is that what I spy in your hand? He looks down at the ground. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, um, I used to do comics. Tell us about it as we, as we, as we get out of here. We'll keep you safe. Oh, he steps out of the apartment. There's not really much to tell. I used to work for the post doing do illustrations for them. I um, I did a little line art for the Hulk. Yeah, it's been a little while. It's been a few months. He seems really withdrawn. He doesn't look you in the eye a whole lot. He gets into the van with Van Fitz without really much of a another verbal prodding. She looks at him and rolls her eyes hard. All right, you all... Uh... You're all settled. Is is the other guy there? I don't know. That's a great question. So let's resolve what they're going to do with poor, poor Roger Carwin, who's been tased multiple times by Agent Dartford. I was under the impression. I mean, I'm kind of letting O'Neill handle it, but I thought we were throwing him in the van. Okay, so O'Neill. Yeah, I thought we were going to throw him in the van, too, but then I didn't know we were putting, like, nice people in there. So does that alter your plan? Are you going to get him a cab perhaps or are you going to why don't we just buy cabs for the other nice people Mrs. Van Fitz would love to have a cab I'm sure yeah I'm going to drag him into Abigail's apartment go get Van Fitz a cab and then come get me when there's no conscious people in the van okay so we'll do this fairly simply then you call a cab for both Lewis Post and Michelle Van Fitz. Within 10 or so minutes, cabs arrive. In that 10 minutes, though, Van Fitz makes a perfect opportunity for her to orate and pontificate about the system, about the problems that the system has. Lewis Post completely introverts and takes out like a little piece of paper and begins drawing on it. He does comment while in the van that he can't smell any gas. After the 10 minutes are up, cabs arrive and they both get sent to a local hotel, which was previously set up. At which point, O'Neill can um, bring the unconscious person out of the McAllister and place them in the van, all in broad daylight. I need to team meet on what we're going to do with Roger in Abigail's apartment. Okay, that's fine. Hey, we need a huddle. Yeah, what's up, O'Neill? You tasered this dude unconscious. <laughs> You're like, what's up, O'Neill? There's something wrong with him. I'm telling you, there's something wrong with that guy. Okay, so what's our plan for Taser Boy? Like, we put him in the van and do what? What are we doing? Well, I mean, maybe he doesn't go in the van. Maybe he goes on the night floors, or maybe he just stays in the building. Y'all ready? Is this... All we have is this one unconscious person now in front of us? And I don't know why he's unconscious. All right, why is this, why is this so complicated here? Put this poor boy over in the hotel with the rest of them. What is, what is going on? We gotta move here. 
I don't even smell. You know what? One of them said he doesn't smell any gas. I don't smell any gas either. I thought we were going to blow this place up with gas. Where's the gas, y'all? No, I hear you. I hear you. Okay, so now walk me through mentally the scenario by which we walk the unconscious dude into the van. We drive the van to the hotel, and then we walk the unconscious dude into the busy lobby of a hotel, into an elevator, shove him in a room, close it, and then walk away. That's the scenario that you have planned out. You mean us four people that don't exist? We exist in the moment. We don't exist, son. You've been in a hotel, right? Have you ever seen a drunk person? I know you've seen a drunk person, O'Neill, and I know you've seen him at a hotel. Drunk person at like four o'clock in the afternoon? Oh yeah, all the time. You know what? Even better, we'll go in, we'll get the room, because we already got the key. We'll go get the key. We'll just move them in. Uh, one person, you know what? One of the ladies brings them in. Why? How many assholes have you seen that gotten so drunk already and then their their poor girlfriends or wives have to deal with that slobby shit? That seems to be a, a pretty straightforward. Let, we got to get this done. Time is a wasting. People have now are out of the place. They're going to start calling friends, family, everything. We got to move. Okay. All right. Uh, well, it's not going to be Dartford playing the, 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 the girlfriend or wife. So, hey, Ward. Yeah, no problem. All right, cool. So, Dartford, do you know where or have an idea of where the gas line would be to start that process to get rid of this fucking building? No, oh, I'm sure they'd be easy enough to find. All right, well, then why don't you and Agent Bennett go and start taking care of that while O'Neill and I take care of whoever this guy is. Gladly. And he'd been taste so often, I hope he remembers who he is when he wakes up. Once um, Dartford is out of the room and kind of out of sight. Hey, O'Neill, let's take the cuffs off this guy so it's a little less suspicious when we carry him into the van, you know? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm taking the cuffs off right now. Okay. Okay, so you're going to walk him outside without the cuffs. You're going to help a friend into a car because he's maybe he's got to go to the hospital. Maybe he's had a little too much day drinking. I get it. I'm sure everybody else will see it that way. Agent Dartford, Agent Bennett, you head to the outside because you have a key for the basement. Bennett, you're figuring if there's a there's a gas line, it's got to be somewhere in that basement. Well, follow-up question would be uh, gas or electric ranges in this place. Gas. Yeah. Go, we can go through it at some point and oh, start opening up all those, too. Okay. You open a few taps, as it were, and you head down afterwards into the basement. The basement you've been in before. A real creepy one with all sorts of uh, different little pet projects for the people who live here. But most notably, of course, Thomas Manuel, whose paintings still exist down here. I guess I'm just wondering, just one question the handler has here is, uh, is anybody going to look at Thomas's paintings before before they find this gas line? Is anybody going to stare at them maybe, check them out? I think we looked at them, but they were so creepy we did not give them a full open-eyed gaze. So I feel like we would not want to look at those fucking creepy paintings if we'd already... I don't know what the hell you're doing. I'm already sort of like on edge about this. So 
maybe it's the most obvious thing that my attention would just wander over and then I would stare like that guy in Mallrats at these paintings until the fucking sailboat showed up. I think that the painting you likely connect most with Agent Bennett is a painting of an interior house. There's a uh, white-faced specter that stands at the top of a rickety old staircase. It's amidst a complete conflagration. The home is a beautiful orange and red blaze of color. And those specters' eyes stare out, not in rage or hatred, with a placid smile across its face. Some of this artwork is pretty good, Darford. It's creepy. Look at this one. Looks like it's it's in a fire. Are you saying you want to keep some of it, Ben, and hang him up in your house? No, no, no. I would not do that. Are you almost done here? Oh, yeah. I opened up all the taps up, upstairs. Keep looking at this painting, though. Like that thing. It, these specters in here, these ghosts, these spooks, look, they look like they're staring right back. You know, I had an uncle, he called him Hank. That's what we called him in the South. Like looking straight into my soul. You, you get, you, you don't get this? I'm being silly. What am I doing? We got, we got work to do. But look at it. It doesn't look like it's on fire. This is sort of ironic, isn't it? Well, if you like it so much, Bennett, you keep it. Take it with you. Maybe I should keep it. It's stealing, though. Maybe I should, I'm going to keep is it stealing it or saving it? I'm going to save this piece of art and I take my uh, pocket knife out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cut it out of the frame and I'm going to roll it up and put it underneath my arm. Easily done. This is this is saving something that should be saved. It's not stealing. So the gas line is down here. It's relatively easy to find. It is old. It comes up from the foundation itself. And then feeds the system, goes from, well, from floor to ceiling. What do you think, Doc? Do we need to do anything else? Like in the other floors, or is this good enough? Well, the other floors are probably filling with gas right now. At least the apartments are. So what do we do? Light the wick and run? Darford, this I'm, this is yours, but you know what to do, right? I know. Well, I mean, I've never started a, re- remotely started a, a gas fire before. I mean, we shouldn't start it when we're in here. Actually, no, we can light it from anything. Can we, I think uh, last minute throw together plan Dartford would have would essentially be to have a window broken and us to toss something lit from the outside. That's definitely possible. I guess Dartford's probably a little bit more simplistic than that. All you would really have to do is take a candle and put it in a hallway somewhere. Yeah, I just, I, my thought is I don't want to start a fire with us in the basement. Oh, certainly not. Yeah. And the place is currently filling with gas. It is. We just evacuated everyone out of here, and that story's going to be... I am not going to have this neighboring apartment building report that they saw two fools throwing in a Molotov cocktail. We got to find a different way. Okay, then we can... I mean, if you want to just light a candle, at least let's get the fuck upstairs. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. So we'll say that the two of you set up something in Abigail's apartment. 
with her door wide open. There's enough epoxy. There's enough um, candles anyway, especially in her room. In the center portion, you can pull one or two of those candles off, set them up, make sure that they're lit. And then I would assume that the two of you are going to exit stage left very quickly. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to be anywhere near the any I want to be as close to the front door and we set this up as we can be so we can just get the fuck out certainly you set it up and you run quickly shut the McAllister door behind you and is anyone here choosing to wait for the inevitable or are you just leaving it's best to be far away as far as we can be Darford let's just go you go, you join your compatriots in the van, and then you're taking Roger to someplace calm and placid, I would imagine. Motel 6. Probably wherever all the others are staying. Okay. You drive to the hotel that Agent O'Neill had set up. You help Roger get into his hotel room, which is relatively simple. It will require, of course, one of you going in. So you'll just have to tell me which one of you goes in to drop him off. Well, if we're sticking with the ruse that I'm his girlfriend, corralling him into a hotel room, that would be me. Okay. Agent Ward drops off Roger. By the time that you drop Roger off at the hotel, the radio in the van has a report that there has been an explosion at a building in Manhattan fire department is on scene and they are telling people to stay clear. They do not know the source or the reason for it. And so they're asking the public to keep clear. More news reports will follow. For now, though, our players are going to exit the stage. There'll be a very brief epilogue. We'll see what happens next. But for now, we'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode of Delta Green, Impossible Landscapes, as presented by the Old Ways Podcast. Thank you, and good night.